1: Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8-Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. All right, uh, check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated nationally, coast to coast out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Networks, 500 outlets, 177 countries. Tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, Twitch.tv. We got the high-def webcam on. Louis Katz. Who is uh, in studio, and uh, Louie is at the punchline, the world-famous punchline here in uh, San Francisco. You got, he's uh, already started his, uh, his run.
4: What's it like when you do, like, five days in a row? I mean, it depends on what town you're in. When it is in San Francisco, it's great. I wish I could be here longer. When you're in some kind of weird town, they got you, you know, 15 miles from the actual club. In a, in a, in, a not, in a not nice hotel, we got to run across a highway just to eat it at Denny's. <laughs> it's not the best, but the more time I get to spend in SF, the better.
1: And you're kind of a hometown hero, if you think about it, because Cal Bear, and yeah. you, know, you think about scratching just to get five minutes there, and now you headline. How great is that?
4: Yeah, it's really great. It's nice to come. You know, it's weird. I have a I have a home home and a comedy home, and the the punchline's my comedy home. This is where I started. I mean, it was weird how I, I was just thinking yesterday how because uh, I was just coming through these streets. Every time I come, it's very nostalgic, and I remember you know I ended college and I started doing comedy and I and I remember thinking I'd a, arrived at something when I started doing comedy, and now looking back, I was just getting started. Which is, I know it's cliched, mm-hmm. but literally, I had that thought yesterday that I was like, oh, I'm I've gotten somewhere. I'm at the punchline, and now I was like, wow, that was just the beginning of something that's that's gone on so long now. I mean. It's crazy how long I've been doing it. It doesn't, mm-hmm. time is, is a trip.
1: <laughs> well, it's because you're talented. I mean, obviously, and, and if I got to the punchline, you know, I would probably think the same thing. How could it get better than this?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just up there on this roof and you're just playing there. And it, it, not that I didn't see the long run, but I just thought like I made it like, not like I made it in my career because clearly it was just starting, but it was just like I found this, like, you know, you, you're, you, I found this thing that is stand-up in general and then but that was just the start of i found it now you got to keep going after Mm -hmm. you know forever no
1: it's great and and arge barker told me one time when he was in here that when he was at the punchline starting out and doing open mics and just bombing and and one time he got off stage and he actually thought you know what this this is getting old coming up here and no one's laughing and he said a comedian who he named I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. He said, to him, "Dude, you're really funny." He's like, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah, you got to keep writing." He said, "That one little thing." Did you have anybody do that for you?
4: That stuff happens constantly. I mean, like, uh, uh, it's <laughs> I, I'm constantly having to fight back against because I'm still I'm doing well and I'm constantly doing a little bit better. You know, I just shot a an hour special for Epics, which was great, my first hour special. Great. But it's it's all it's still I haven't. I'm And I've not gotten comfortable <laughs> yet, sure. and it's always an uphill battle. So, you know, it's not even like a, I, I think of I, – I used to think of – there was a while where I never thought of quitting, and then for the last – it's been a little bit rough for the last uh, five years or so, especially during the pandemic I was thinking about it. And any kind of nice – I'm telling you, like a YouTube comment. Some fan on Instagram says one thing to me. I'm like, thank you for saying that. They're, they're so sweet. They're mm-hmm. so kind. And it really does keep you going, man. It's just it's – stuff hits you. It just, just reminds you, like, oh – people appreciate this. You're not just doing this into a vacuum. Sure. Yeah. Who who uh wrecked you for the cellar then? The cellar was a crazy night. Um the comedy cellar, I was there uh I went I was meeting Hannibal Burris there for uh we were I was just meeting him there. I wasn't doing a set and we were going to go to like a a singles Hanukkah party <laughs> to try and pick up some Jewish broads. <laughs> and uh and uh he um He, I, and I wasn't. I was doing a set, so I started drinking. I'm pre gaming because I want to go. I want to be drunk before I go to this party a little bit. And liquid courage. Yeah, and he's. I see he's talking to SD, the renowned Booker over there. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they start pointing at me. She comes over. She's like, "You want to go on?" So I never drink. I never. I rarely perform any kind of drunk, even a drink in. And now I'm auditioning at the cellar, and then I did, and I was passed, and that was fine. And that was. I mean. I don't even know how long ago that was. But it's weird. You know, people want advice. Like, how do I get past here? It's like, it's all a story that you could not replicate. You couldn't do this again. So, you know, right. I don't know. Meet Hannibal there on Christmas Eve <laughs> and see what happens.
1: Well, it's funny now, like, when I hear, like, uh, Ari Shafir say, you know, with Liz, oh, you know, I, he was at a party and he goes, oh, I had a spot and I never showed up. Oh, darn. Like, if you're a young comedian and you don't show up for a spot, they'll never ask you again. But what about when you get to the point where... You could be scheduled for a spot, you don't show up, and it's like ah, whatever. And you're I don't still know, I'll tell you when
4: I get there. What's <laughs> wrong with Ari? What is his problem? I don't know. What show up. I don't know. It's your job. Uh, show up. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't even flake on. Uh, don't even. I don't flake on f- shows that mm. aren't paying me. I don't mm. sh- tiny I, cupboard or yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't flake on any of this stuff, man. You're you're up on. you really up on the New York City. <laughs> I I am.
1: A, I'm going to be there uh, next week
4: too. By the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. I'll I'll yeah. be in. Uh, I'll actually be in D.C. with the So.
1: Oh, with Dave. Yeah, yeah. The last time I was at the Cellar, I was like, I need somebody to, to bomb in, and, you know, who is huh. it going to be? And it was a tell. And, nice. And I was, you know, I was happy. You know what's funny about the Cellar, too, is I always hear that, you know, even the most accomplished comedians, you're going to have, or as Joe List said, you'll eat a bag of cheese. You know, you'll just <laughs> you'll just bomb for no reason. And it was a, a night where there was, you know, Ricky Velez and, uh, you know, um, uh, Kevin Brennan, you know, there were just, and then Ted Alexandro, who I love. Mm-hmm. He came out. He was real quiet. He's like, oh, "My wife's mad at me," and I think she was. And and then I could see almost like a panic in his eyes. And then he had nothing, and he just kind of stood there. Wow. And I thought, and I thought that's why you have to be, you know, me doing this show, whatever you do, mm-hmm. you got to be ready. Because I thought, wow, that Ted Alexandro is so good. Yeah. And I saw him bomb. And so does that fear kind of sit with you that at any minute, like you got to take it seriously, or you might have a moment like that.
4: Well, I mean. Without having been there and talking to Ted, I don't know what did. And Ted is great, yeah. But like, you know, he maybe probably to his credit, it's probably to his credit that he bombed because he would he was experimenting in a way that I wouldn't have experimented <laughs> on that stage. You know what I mean? On the, one of those nights, right? Uh, you know, he's very uh, he could be very free flowing. Also, and I don't know if this is true or not true, and and mm. Ted Ted really is one of my favorites, but he just had a kid. I think he just had a second kid. That's certainly taken him a little bit out of the game. <laughs> so he, I, I don't know if he this was— This was four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he probably then just had a kid oh, or okay, something. Oh, okay, okay. Um, or maybe not, but, you know, but I'm just saying anything— it can they,
1: happen to anyone.
4: Anything, you know, on one hand, the pandemic made us a lot of comedians. We used to panic. If we're not getting on every night. And it's let us uh, be a little more relaxed by that. We can take nights off here and there. Mm-hmm. But still, you take a certain amount of time off, you just get a little bit rusty. and. Um, sure. I mean, that's why, uh, yeah, I was actually, I didn't do, I, I, I came up a little bit early to kind of uh, grease the wheels a little bit because I was with my family uh, for Thanksgiving last week, and I wanted to warm up. So maybe he wasn't warmed up or whatever, but the yeah, the fear of that, I mean, I don't know, I, I would imagine that Ted's just kind of, uh, and it's just weird with that feeling where you're like, oh, it's happening, and then you can kind of <laughs> dig yourself out, but you kind of can't.
1: Or you can kind of lean into it.
4: Yeah, some people bomb really well. Yeah, because
1: Stefano are... told me, like, he, if he's bombing, he says, you know what, I'm just going to lean into it and enjoy it.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good like that. <laughs> I should do that more. You know, I have a thing where I'm uh, – many different things, and it's always evolving. It's cool just to still grow with it all, but, like, I'll turn on the crowd and not in a funny way, I'll just be angry at them, <laughs> uh, which is not good. They don't like uh, it when you're angry with them. But I, this doesn't. it just doesn't – the other thing is, like, a bomb doesn't really – it doesn't happen that much. Even a bomb, you're still doing all right, you know what I mean? At right. this point, uh, you know how to turn it around. But it does happen. I actually had a week of bad shows. I mean, this this coming back after the pandemic was so intense. The first two months, we could do no wrong. The crowds were so happy to be there. It was misleading. Right. These, I was like, everything I write is gold. And, like, it was not. <laughs> Very little of it has made it into the act, or it all needed mm-hmm. to be rewritten and, and, uh, and fixed up. But it was still all going well, and then I had a week—just a week of like subpar shows. The other thing you were dealing—the with, the flip side of that coming back with the pandemic—is people forgot how to behave in public. Yeah. So it was a lot of people talking up, a lot of people just being very chatty. I—I uh, I, I forgot about this phenomenon, and I've asked around older comics; they don't know how to deal with it either. You know, everyone want—they want to know—is it hard to deal with? Like, what do you do when a, when you get heckled? It's easy to deal with a heckler; they're loud. They're obnoxious. Everyone's against them. You're on a microphone, on a stage. They're not. It's pretty easy to handle one way or the other. But low-level chit-chat in the front row mm. is, like, impossible to deal with because no one else can hear it. Mm. So I start kind of being a—at not at first I start nice, but I'm still going in on these people in the front row like, to keep it down. The rest of the crowd doesn't even know what I'm talking about. I right. just seem like I singled, singled someone out. And people almost feel like it's—I um, don't know if it's because of the— um, now I'm a selling like old man. I don't know if it's because of these TikTok videos, but there are these TikTok videos <laughs> where they're all like, you know, comedian smashes a, a heckler, deals with this with a uh-huh. person, and right. like, I feels like it's almost encouraged now. And I'm like, I don't need you to talk because that's I, I really because the, the chatter is usually a heckle comes after a joke, so that right. it, it works with your timing. These these people are just talking over the whole thing.
1: Mark Norman told me that, if that happens, the little chatter, he'll ignore it, he'll ignore it, he'll ignore it, and then he'll just snap and call them the C-word, and everything just, like, unloads on them. More with Louis Katz. He's (laughs) at the punchline. Come on back on the other side. Rick Tittle, uh, coast to coast, around the world on AFN, and I'm a FAN of Louis Katz, stand-up comedian. He's at the punchline here in San Francisco, down here on Battery Street, world famous. It's where Robin Williams, Dana Carvey, all the big Big shots came through. It almost uh, moved, and it stayed, so that's good as well. You know, talking to um, a lot of New York comedians over the years, as oh. you can tell I have, um, and listening to many podcasts as well, a lot of your friends, like Sam and Joe and Mark and, and Ari, whenever they talk about guys who should be bigger, they bring up Louis Katz. Oh and uh, i agree with them
4: thanks thanks i also think i should be <laughs> i agree with all you <laughs>
1: right but i was i was saying like over the years like when um bobby lee would come in or uh, bobby kelly nikki glazer came in and now they just sell out i mean sam just did three shows at Cobb's on a saturday they added a 4 30 show yeah,
4: that was that was amazing to me I, it's you know it's really hard to understand how big people are and that was the one that showed it to me because that is a big room it's practically a theater
1: yeah. it's basically
4: he did four shows at a th- small theater it was a rock
1: venue it yeah. was wolfgang's or whatever it was yeah, yeah yeah
4: but i mean it i think it seats about 400 or something like that three four hundred and yes yeah, sam just like exploded in the last the last uh, couple years you know it's it's uh exciting to see for him but it would i would also like to see it for me
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's it, it's interesting too because you think about well joe list mark norman Sam samuril uh, Shane Gillis, they all put their specials on YouTube. yes Netflix doesn't want straight white guys right
4: yes, now. Yes, that's what that's the word. Yeah, yeah. someone who uh, there's another guy who does a podcast with uh, List named uh, Ronan Hershberg. Yeah, they podcast. do
1: the movies. The yeah, thing, he, yeah. Said,
4: uh, he said. He uh, said. Uh, YouTube is Netflix for straight white guys, which I thought was pretty funny. I think that's his line, um, and yeah, it's true. But you know, um, and it, and uh, I'm looking into doing that too. But one thing to remember with all this stuff, it's never a, it's never a, a magic bullet because all those guys had large network hour specials before that, and yeah. Shane Gillis got cancelled which in the positive way I mean right. some people people think it only happens in the positive way some people just get canceled and it really hurts their career his career probably helped him I bet he's selling more tickets now than if He'd actually been on uh, Saturday Night Live because he was able mm-hmm. to break out and people notice him. Now, whether the what the fans he draws are like, I have no idea. But he's legit funny. I've seen the, the YouTube special. He's very funny. But yeah, it's it's it's. I think that YouTube special model can work. But man, you got to have a base for it first. You know, I think Joe was Joe was on Netflix. Sam and Mark had hours on Comedy Central, so they mm-hmm. had this base, and then they were able to build off that.
1: Right. And then you know, I think about uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Ronan, who. I like his comedy, but he sh- he's too loud for me. I just he won't <laughs> stop shouting, and I've said if you didn't shout, you know I can take it for about ten minutes. And there are a couple of guys, you know, like like I write, I like Ryan Sickler, but huh? he shouts. It's like I don't know. Maybe I'm an old man.
4: No, no, no. There should be it's dynamics. Just, you know, what yeah. it could be is that also the the monitors cannot be high enough in the punchline. You really, if you can't hear yourself coming back at you. You end up shouting because mm-hmm. you you have no idea. Right. Well, what's I'm talking up. about even on
1: his pod with Joe, because <laughs> well, Joe will say, "Oh, uh, I think this movie like, blah, blah. like
4: ah,
1: come on, Ronan." But the point is, is that now you can do you know Fallon and Kimmel, and that's one tenth of what you would get if you did Rogan or Marin, and yeah. you know, and then now you know the new pod that that Sam does with Mark. We might be drunk. They're just. Mm-hmm now that has a patreon i mean it's just it, it, that is the it's not even the future it's the present now
4: yeah it's really interesting it's this whole new um it's just kind of a new new media thing where you know and and it's uh it's odd because you see like the vulture.com did your your top comedians to watch next year and there was there were some funny people in there but like th- uh whatever i'll just say this on here I'm, the the push to diversity is silly it's not representative of reality mm-hmm. there is you're just telling me there's that few straight white i understand what they're trying to do but like i know the population of standups you, this is not this is this is this is not representative of reality there are very funny people in there people that totally deserve to be on there
2: mm-hmm. but the list
4: on the whole is crazy you know it's like they don't no one mentions norman sam and those those three people that you mentioned that are like selling out and it's a weird really weird disconnect for them to calling these to 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 ignore them for the mainstream media to kind of ignore them for whatever reason you know maybe because they got canceled but it's like it doesn't matter It, it it's reality you can't change facts shane is selling out theaters and he's getting millions of views on his youtube special that's you have to report on that or you, or you feel mm-hmm. it's uh, disingen- disingenuous. I, I don't know how to say that word. Yeah. Fake. Are you cow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's well, been a while. <laughs> it's, it, it,
1: it permeates all walks of life, too, is and I'm a video game guy. And I remember playing Battlefield 1, which is a World War One game. Mm-hmm. And one time, you know, you're on the American, British or the German side. And my German uh, squad was two black guys and two Asian girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were. And I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about how they were animated. Their avatars?
4: Yeah, well, that's—I guess that's just rewriting history, but that is a little goofy. But it's to make sure <laughs> they,
1: don't get, they don't get into trouble, which is. But it would be like if I played a, a game that was about the Zulus, uh-huh. I wouldn't want guys that looked like us. In no, no, there. no, no.
4: It's weird, you know. I also—I uh, can't believe why am I saying this live on a radio show? But oh, <laughs> well, I, I just also, did
1: the Zulu thing and look at me canceled. Yeah, <laughs> that's it.
4: They'll just chop that up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was just at the um, the new Academy Museum down in L.A. I went there with my family oh, yeah. Thanksgiving, and the push is is real wild for the it's just not it's not honest they're not owning up to their own mistakes because if you walk through there you'd be like "Well, i guess the academy doesn't have a problem with diversity it's really been diverse all these years Mm. it's such a fine line between fixing the mistakes of history and rewriting history and and i think that kind of blurs if that makes sense to you you know it's like i mean you go in there it's like the first exhibit is like six movies that change that you can learn things from change history And, and it starts with citizen kane and the second one is real women have curves Really? That's who you're I mean, like, no was disrespect to that woman. I mean, that woman or, or that movie, because I, really? I, I I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard it's a really great movie, but that's it's a little crazy to put them next to each other. And like, Jordan Peele, who I love, there's more Jordan Peele in the museum than there is Stanley Kubrick. Oh, that's wow. insane. You yeah. know what I mean? That's just not... And it's not... I understand it's not a film history museum, mm-hmm. but still, it just... Like I said, there's a difference between addressing the mistakes of the past and... And erasing the mistakes of the past, yeah. and that's I think is the problem. No, you know, man, this is, well this said. is Not going to be good. Now, for you... <laughs> <laughs> everything
1: you said makes sense. Um, and speaking of late night, you wrote a joke for Johnny Carson.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Way, way back in the day. I mean, it's, tell us, it's, please. Uh, I wish I could remember the joke. I actually found the, the VHS of it, but um, it was just you know I grew up in Los Angeles, and they would uh, just have uh, kids fill out a questionnaire and, and answer and make joke answers to a bunch of questions. Actually, for Thanksgiving, so it was like. This t- actually, this exact time of year, probably mm-hmm. you know who knows twenty some years ago, twenty thirty years ago, twenty something years ago, probably mm-hmm. no, longer, yeah, thirty something years ago, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he read two of mine on the air, um, and they my parents <laughs> recorded it on tape, and it played on a loop on my bar mitzvah. They just played the, the <laughs> him reading my jokes over and over again. It was really it was pretty cool. The thing is other other. Kids in my class, you know, they got their jokes written too, but they never became comedians, so no one, uh, uh <laughs> no one, uh, they don't get to talk about it on, on radio shows.
1: By the <laughs> way, um, I've been to many Jewish weddings, which I love because mm-hmm. it's all mazel, and they make you dance. And mm-hmm. you know, as a as a Gentile, we, we most wedding receptions we just sit there and and look at our watch, and we can't wait to leave. <laughs> but speaking of looking at watches, at bar mitzvah, do you is it the same thing where you line up the watches on your arm? Is that is that the tradition?
4: I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there was a watch tradition in
1: well, maybe because you're not a New Yorker, I guess. But somebody was telling me like you would everybody would give you a watch. And so you'd have like ten watches, and then you would just line them up at your arm, and that would be like your bar mitzvah picture.
4: Never, this is I'm the telling first you, I've heard about this. This is crazy. Where were my watches? What do you need that many watches for? you're an for? L.A. guy. That's. I'll take the checks. Just give me a check. How about that? What did you clear? Can I ask you what you cleared? I have then? no idea. I can't uh, remember. But it was a nice, a nice. Uh, a l- nice little base to start off with for sure and it was a yeah it was I studied hard so I really earned it <laughs> that's good
1: Louis, and by the way when people hear Louie do they think that's the guy that dropped his pants
4: um, <laughs> sometimes I mean I am the guy that dropped his pants I'm just not that guy who dropped his pants you know it's different Oh,
1: well said all right uh, Louis Katz make sure to check him out at the punchline you can uh, see him uh, all the way through the weekend and um, anything oh the special you said
4: yeah I got a I got a new hour special coming out on epics um that should be coming out in february or march unless they hear this uh (laughs) interview (laughs) <laughs> um and uh, and you know check out my albums on uh, mm-hmm. online uh, Catskills uh, if these balls could talk and of course my this is not happening that I did that I'm very proud of that that's oh, yeah. on YouTube so the please double check penetration out. Yeah, episode yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tear you up
1: inside <laughs> good stuff yes and uh, I hope I didn't you didn't think I didn't lead you down the path like tell us more about transgender marriage no, no no man
4: this is stuff <laughs> this is stuff I want to talk about I'm just scared to talk about it but the fact that I'm scared to talk about it is why it needs to be talked about so let it be talked that's
1: about. Exa- if a comedian can't talk about it nobody can.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema
2: club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
1: Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it.
0: He scored. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: You're listening to the Rick Tittle podcast on the 8-Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated nationally out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. You know, we love the comedians. We can get them in studio here in town or get them on the horn, and uh, we got one on the phone right now. It's Finesse Mitchell, and uh, he is going to be at the Chicago Improv. That's in Schaumburg, Illinois, and he's got a a weekend run starting uh, tomorrow night. Finesse, uh, welcome to the show, man. What's it like getting back out there and and doing the clubs again after doing a, a year of, I don't know, were you doing Zooms or park shows, rooftops? What were you getting up to?
3: Man, I wasn't doing anything. I definitely wasn't doing Zoom because I said, no way I'm bombing at my house.
2: So
3: uh, <laughs> I stayed away from that. But uh, in L.A., where I live, we definitely have uh, – we had some, we had a lot of COVID-friendly places to perform. So, you know, big shout-out to all the local comedians in L.A. and some of the promoters who were keeping it open and keeping it safe during that time where we could go out and – um you know, perform in front of, like, 40, 50 people outside, you know. But so I, I kept I, I kept the give-suit knife shark. I'll put it to you that way. And uh, Chicago's in for a treat this weekend. I'm getting ready to shoot my one-hour special here in L.A. At the top of the year. And so, man, I'm excited, bro, because the material is really hot. And uh, that's all a, a good crowd can ask for, a good comedian, you know.
1: Now, congratulations on the special. And how were you able to hone it? Because, you know, normally you go out on the road and you you tweak it, you get everything just right. But just with the limited stuff you were able to do, you you're able to get your hour uh, sharpened, huh?
3: Absolutely, man. I mean, all you need is, like, two kids and a wife that you hold hostage at the (laughs) kitchen table (laughs) to wait till you get a chuckle. And when Uh you get that chuckle, you know it's funny because they don't want to laugh at all. You know what I mean? Um, but other than that, you know, I had been doing some jokes right before COVID. That was really fire, right? And then, next thing I know, COVID happened. So I had all that material, and then I had the material that I made up and wrote during COVID because, you know, we were just sitting around with nothing to do. So, uh, yeah, man, it's ready. You know, I just got through with uh, San Diego. Uh, I left San Francisco. Cobb Comedy Club last weekend, the very famous Cobb Comedy Club. Uh, I was there last weekend, and now, you know,
1: Chicago is next. Hitting all the big cities. You know, I, I got to tell you this uh, as a big SNL fan, but two nights ago I was getting a burrito, and uh, my friend was like, what would you get in it? And I said, shrimp. Then I was like, I'm Starkeisha. It's my birthday up in here. Y'all got <laughs> shrimp. <laughs> I can't hear shrimp and not go into Starkeisha.
3: Hilarious, bro. Man, the funniest thing. Thing about Starkeisha is that I was doing it when um you know I was doing it as a comedy bit, and then next thing I know, uh, I'm doing it in full char- in full character on stage. You know, well at the weekend update deck is when we actually debut Starkeisha. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: out of uniform, and then uh, out of uniform. <laughs> but then, uh, <laughs> but then, um, next thing I know. Halle Berry is the host of my second show, and then I'm in full Sarkisian garb. (laughs) It's like, all right, wig, nails, lipstick. This woman found me attractive two days ago, and now (laughs) I'm her girlfriend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got to say, you were not passable. I could tell you were a man.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious.
1: No, it's it's uh, it's one of those characters that just, uh, it, it, it sticks with me, you know. And I remember I had Rob on; He did Leviticus one time, just the character at the Weekend Update desk. And I always think, you know, you should make a movie about this. Did anybody try to make a Starkeisha movie?
3: No, man, I didn't even. Um, the closest I came to that was Adam Sandler uh, offered me a role in the movie The Longest Yard. You remember that movie? Oh, yeah. The remake, sure. Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was supposed to play uh, the cheerleader, <laughs> the, the, the role that Tracy Morgan played. And so um, and so uh, I was like, ah, no, I already do Sartesia at SNL. You know, I don't want to come out in a movie and do the same character. <laughs> then that's all people are going to think I do. Right. And I couldn't do it. And then Tracy did it. And then he came up to me later after he did it, like, Finesse, I had to do it. I mean, it was a winning team. It was <laughs> Burt Reynolds. It was Sadler. It was Rock. I couldn't pass it up. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I could.
1: <laughs> I uh, pass
3: it up, Finesse.
1: Uh, You sound exactly like him. And uh, I also remember the Morgan Freeman, too. You nailed that one.
3: I love Morgan Freeman. I love Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and Morgan Freeman loves me. <laughs> You know, uh, At nine I think about counting all the moles on Morgan Freeman's face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: messed up. <laughs> I, I just think those are dark freckles. Those ain't moles, are they?
3: Bro, those are those are, those are asteroids. Those are mole asteroids. <laughs> They're all floating. None of them are stationary. They all move on his face. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I know some comedians who made fun of O.J. Once he got out, they were like, "Uh uh-oh, i got to make sure I don't do that anymore. O.J. ain't contacted you, has he?
3: No, man, but I heard he's still cutting up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, no.
3: (laughs) Yeah, man. I heard nobody let him carve nothing on Thanksgiving.
1: He wasn't making
3: them all all plastic utensils.
1: (laughs) So he, did he make a jack-o'-lantern?
3: I don't know. <laughs> they, 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 they they made him wear uh oven mitt the entire time and uh gave him classic utensils. So So when I met you OJ Simpson and I'm and all I could think was a super sweet guy, nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's very charismatic, of course. Everybody knows that. Right. Um But his head is so huge. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was pit bulls, like, envious. They were just like, that's not fair. This man's head was huge.
1: Now I remember the late great Charlie Murphy was like, damn, O.J. got a big head.
3: (laughs) He does, man. He does. That's, That's true. Sweet guy. Huge head.
1: So, uh, you know, I have noticed since the pandemic that comedy fans, much like myself, were just so, you know, just so eager to get back and laugh again. But then again, a lot of people, they don't know how to behave in a comedy club. So how has it been with hecklers and and how do you usually handle the hecklers?
3: I will not tell you a lie. I usually do not have hecklers at my show. Mm I am. I'm funny from beginning to end. Like if I'm going to give you an hour, I'm funny for an hour. If I'm gonna give you only forty-five minutes, you're holding your side for forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. But hecklers don't have time. You have to be just like, you have to be wasted. You have to be escorted out to be a heckler at my show because you're too busy having a good time. But if you, but if you're drunk, then you just think the whole moment is about you or whatever. And and I I have noticed though, there have been a lot of Karen sightings popping up <laughs> all over comedy clubs thinking that that is the place to stick their flag in the ground and, uh, you know, shout out what they believe in. And I just want people to really just chill out and take a break because you come to a comedy show to laugh. You don't come to critique and judge. And almost 99% of the material is made up. You know, it's written. It's designed to either offend, make you laugh, but what's going on a lot is that once the once the rabbit gun is aimed at a certain group of people, if that person has thin skin, even though they were laughing for forty five minutes at black jokes and yeah. white people can't dance jokes right. and Asian people do this joke, <laughs> when they got to a certain when it got to them, they were like, Oh well that's not funny and you know. And you're lame. You're whack if you do that, people. Yeah. You're whack if you come to a comedy club just to disagree mm-hmm. with the comedian. Yeah, because a, you laugh for 45 minutes, and then for one minute you said something you didn't like.
1: It's a very narcissistic thing to do, there's no doubt. Before we let you go, since this is a sports talk show, what would, what would Stephen A. Smith say about the city of Chicago?
3: Oh, oh, you got it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? First of all, talk about Aaron Rodgers pretending to be vaccinated. Nothing happened. Meanwhile, Kyrie... Irving is the poster child, the poster child for being misleading, being a being a, a sucker. Are you kidding me? We're going to let him up. <laughs> Chicago, I pray for Chicago all the time because not only do they have people looting the Louis Vuitton store downtown, but they can't win a football game.
1: <laughs> oh, and you played for the U, didn't you?
3: Brother, I played for the University of Miami. I hope we get this coaching hire right. Um, I love Manny Diaz, but then I'm also open to a Kiffin or a Mario Cristobal from Oregon. Because as we've proven, the the Hurricanes, that's a Maserati, and you have to be able to drive it. You he, know, we uh, just haven't been able to find the right people to drive that car.
1: The, it is true, but I'll just say this. Just from, I knew him with his time with the Raiders, Lane Kiffin is a little punk ass. I don't think you want him.
3: You know what? I don't know why a lot of people are high on Lane, but I do know offensively he's a good coach. Sometimes, you know, when you have success, you can't help but be arrogant. And I think that happens with the Ogerones and the Lane Kittens and the, you know, Urban Myers. Sometimes you just can't tell them anything because it's, you're so insulated as a coach that even when you're messing up, you think it's okay, <laughs> you know? No doubt. And so...
1: All right, well, anyway, I'm sorry, I got to run. Finesse Mitchell, Chicago Improv, Schaumburg, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. Finesse, thanks for coming by, man.
3: Oh, man, thank you guys for having me. I loved it. All
1: right, good stuff. Check me out
3: on Instagram, at Finesse Mitchell. There it is. And And Facebook. And Twitter. And Twitter, Finesse
1: Mitchell. (laughs) All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.